0: for the Lord, God, as we sing that song and it says, "Oh, in my sin, yes, even then and and the thought occurs, it couldn't have been any other way. It had to be me in my sin because there was no way for me to escape without you, so yeah, we marvel at it, but it's also... Them's the facts. That's the way it had to be. That's the only way it could go. If not, Lord. If not. uh, Our fate. Our destiny. Would be determined to destruction. So thank you, Lord, for rescuing us. And yet, Lord, also thank you for revealing to us that... um, it is not your determination for us to head to destruction, but it is your determination to rescue us, Lord. That's who you are. That's what you want. Lord, if we who have received that, not only bask in that, not only worship you in that, not only celebrate Uh, In great joy and also deep sobriety, that reality, Lord, might we also go tell the world. There's a God who does not want to determine you to destruction, but wants to rescue you from the destruction you're already living in. Uh, Lord, those of us who have received this message, I believe, are in this room today. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody who's not received uh, the, the, the good news that your son Jesus is Lord. He's the one who is the, uh, the reigning ruler of this world. And, and what he reveals uh, uh, in himself is that uh, he is intent on rescuing them and bringing them into right relationship with you. Might today they receive that good news. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray and I ask that you would uh, build up your disciples, Lord. That we would be filled with your spirit. Uh, Maybe your spirit gets frothed up in us so that we can go and live as you've called us to live. Uh, I pray that you would um, just attend to us today. Build us and pray that everything that I say will be true and right. Uh, of you, and of your word, and of our call. And I pray that uh, everything that we have done and will continue to do as we gather today would not only make you known, but also uh, just bring bring you praise, adoration, glory, Lord, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, all of y'all, most of y'all know that uh, last month I went to Ukraine and um, I don't know how you felt about it whenever uh, you heard the news that I was going to Ukraine, but there were some people who, um, who, knowing that Ukraine uh, was uh, invaded by Russia on February 24th, uh, after seeing the news of uh, the occupation that took place there and the horrible atrocities that have taken place there. Whenever you hear uh, somebody that you uh, know and, and you might love, uh, well, you probably love me. I don't know if you like me all the time, but you, you know you love me, you like me, right? now from time to time at least. Um, hearing that news, um, there were some who uh, got a little worried about the prospect of that. Um, because what they envisioned I would imagine is that I was going over there and I was going to be like toe to toe with Russian soldiers. Uh, Any of you find yourself feeling like, what was he thinking? Y'all don't have to raise your hands, but, uh, what's he thinking? And, and, and is he, is he going toe to toe with who, what, what is going on here? Um, my mom told me later, um, she didn't sleep a lot while I was there, because she had this concern herself about my safety, about my security. Um, now, I will tell you that one of the chief reasons why I was uh, why I was felt comfortable to go was um, was because I was most assured that I would not be going toe-to-toe with Russians. I was not going to be on the front lines, and I was not going to be you know, having to dodge uh, 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 missiles or, or, or airstrikes or anything like that. I, and, and I came by this, uh, this understanding uh, through good, for good reason. At the beginning of May, uh, Russia, uh, after nearly two months of trying to get to Kiev... Uh, finding that they could not get to Kiev, they retreated. And they reformed and regathered their efforts uh, in the Donbass. And they were about five or 600 miles away from Kiev, and this is where all the front-line fighting is, and I knew that we were not going to be going uh, to the front-line fighting. Uh, on top of that, just so you all know, um, we uh, contract with the... Uh, 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 a private security, uh, a private military security firm. Um, We've been contracting with them throughout the war because we have um, some of our Mission 823 team members who have had to drive into combat zones to rescue people out of there. And so we have had uh, this, uh, this, uh, this group, Reed International, that, that's been kind of our eyes in the sky. And, and I, I knew that we had this, them running logistics for our, for our teammates, and I knew that they would be running logistics for me. I didn't know to the extent of that until we set out and, um, to leave um, from our, our, our facilities in the West, and uh, when we started towards the center of Ukraine on on, on on that Monday that we got there in Ukraine, and um, and uh, Sean uh, got a text from uh, one of the guys who is who is running this operation. He's actually he's actually out of uh, your brother's church in Aurora, um, but uh, he's running uh, this operation. He's 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 giving oversight to us, and he says, um, "Hey, Sean, um, I see you are taking off." And Sean was like, "Uh huh." And he said, Are you in the blue van or the white box truck? And the was like, Come again. And he sends him a screenshot of a satellite image that he has over us. So I just want y'all to know, we did not go into this without some forethought. This was not us stepping in front of a bus and saying, God said that he was gonna protect me, right? We were not doing that sort of thing. We were trying to act in great wisdom. And I know y'all, y'all questioned my sanity at the beginning of it, but, but these are the reasons why I felt, uh, I felt a level of comfort. Um, I also, y'all should just know this about me while there are good, wise reasons, there's also this whole other aspect. I'm not a fully, I don't have a fully functioning brain. And so (laughs) some people have said, "Did, did you feel like you were, you know, like whenever you crossed over into Ukraine, did you feel a certain way? And I was like, for somebody who is not as naive as me, for somebody who's not as oh, full-hearted as me, they might have felt some level of discomfort. But I am too dumb to know uh, that, I, that I should be aware of these things. And so, so that plays into my, uh, my peace of mind as well. But uh, that's been one of the questions then, even too, since I've returned, is people have asked me, they've said, hey, what was it like over there? And what they're saying is like, what's it like to be in a war zone? So here's the deal. This pulpit, you know, it treats me so good so much of the time. Here's the deal. And this is what's really kind of crazy. Being in Kiev didn't feel much like being in a war zone. It had been two months, about two months. Actually, the last shelling that Kyiv had experienced was about three weeks before we got there, and that was kind of like a random, uh, a random targeting, that and maybe just like a maybe just a, an experiment that Russia was doing. Uh, they shot a missile off of um, out from the Black Sea, um, and that was three weeks before we'd been there. No, but before that, it had been weeks, almost two months had passed by, a month and a half for sure. Since many in that region had experienced what the, the, the horror and the atrocity, the hell that they had been experiencing for two months. From February 24th through the end of April, uh, the very, very first week of May, there was complete and utter war going on in the places that we had been, or that we were going to go. But now for two months, re gathered its efforts in the southeast. And w- when I arrived in, uh, in Ukraine, and when we got to Kiev and to the center part of Ukraine, what I felt was we were in the midst of this this moment where people were kind of taking a breath and going, okay, well, this is what it's going to be like. And they've lived in this. So we've talked about this. For eight years, there's been active, ongoing, conflict war with russia and crimea so so for eight years just a few hundred miles away from kiev there has been fighting there's been frontline fighting we actually as a church we were we were in kiev in 2016 and sean was telling us as we're walking through this streets and we're walking through this area of kiev that just that just like a uh, like a year two years before had just been completely and utterly dismantled. The, 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 the bricks, the paving sidewalks had been, had been pulled up and they had been used to barricade uh, the citizens from its own government. And the, uh, they, they call it the winter of on fire, or on Maidan. That happened in 2013, 2014. But we were in Kiev and Sean was like, yeah, right now in Crimea, there's war going on. And y'all remember how it felt, those of you who were there? Did it feel much like a war zone? Now, in Kiev today, it's it's a little bit more like... There's a little bit more to remind you that there's a war zone... They have what they call tank stoppers all over the place. And tank stoppers are basically two I-beams, two steel I-beams that have been welded like an X. And and, and and they have them of all shapes and sizes. And they have them like in, in, in intersections that they can roll out into the street if they need to. And, and you, you'll come through uh, checkpoints. And there will be these these tank stoppers there. And there will be bar- barricades. And, uh, and they've set it up in such a way that you can't just pass through freely. You kind of have to weave through some barricades there. And so there's reminders of that. Uh, there, there, there's these m- places throughout the, the city where they have established. Like th- they've brought in what they call their trophies. All these, all these tanks and all these uh, other uh, uh, military vehicles that have been blown up. The, the Russian military vehicles that Ukrainians have blown up and, and, and destroyed, and, and they have them on display. And, and, and you'll, you'll show up somewhere and you'll see a bunch of takes in in, in, a, in, a, in a city of this of this, you know city center and, um, uh, and, uh, and, and people will be gathered around and they're, they're looking at it and they're taking pictures and they're taking, taking it in that, that kind of this reminder, like this was here just a couple of months ago. But, but, but if you if you thought that I was in a war zone, a, maybe you can breathe a sigh of relief, but also you might go, oh, well, you're not as tough as I thought that you might be. Whatever you think about when we were in Kyiv, Business was going just about like usual. People were getting up in the morning and they were making their commute and, and shops and restaurants and cafes would open. And you would see people going about their normal day, walking through the streets. Uh, office buildings were full. Work is being done. Some of it has to do with the war. A lot of it doesn't. Just daily economy running. And, and I'll tell you, it was surreal to me to go 500 miles from where we're standing. Utter hell is... constant shillings, and and because I I, I lack the language. I could say this. I could be in Kiev, and I could see everything going as it were, and on the surface of the city, and on the surface of people, because I don't get to talk to everybody, and I don't get to hear every conversation. Some conversations, I I, I get 20% out of the conversation. A lot of times it's kind of kind of silly and kind of funny, but we didn't have a translator there, me, Rick and I, and, and Sean, our mission director, he speaks Russian, and, and then we have our uh, Ukrainian partners, and they all speak Ukrainian, and some of them can speak a little bit of English, and, and nobody was really mindful to always translate for Rick and I, who— only speak English. And so, um, so a lot of times we would be sitting there and they'd be having whole conversations and they would say, okay. And they would get up and they would start to leave. And we're like, Oh, I guess we're leaving now. (laughs) And, uh, and and we are like, you know, maybe a translator would be good next time we do uh, something like this. So, because Sean can translate, he just doesn't think in that same wavelength. So we would have to go, Hey, what are we doing again? (laughs) What's on the agenda now? And so, um, So all. So what I can say is, from my experience, what I could see is kind of on the surface, and and, and it got me thinking like this: like on the surface, everything looks okay, can look okay, it could be deceiving, but underneath, just underneath, there's a war that's raging. I'm sure that you've. You've had days or seasons, you could even be in a season, but where where on the surface, if people saw you, everything looks okay. But just underneath, there's a war that's raging. Sometimes we have to, we feel this pressure, this impulse maybe to make everybody think everything's okay when really there's a war that's raging. The Apostle Paul talks about a war that rages in Romans chapter number seven. Romans seven twenty two, he talks about that there's war in his body going on, and the war, as Paul says it, it's it's a war between that which he wants to do and desires to do, but can't seem to do, Uh, and it's this war between that which he does not want to do. Uh, desires not to do, but always seems to find himself doing. And Paul is not just talking about this as a general human principle, although you and I know this to be true as a general human principle. You and I know that whenever your mom put the cookies on the counter and she said no cookies until after dinner, you were like, why did you put the cookies on the counter? Why, Why do I know that there's cookies? If I didn't know that there was cookies, it would be easy for me not to take the cookies. I remember my mom walking into the garage one time, and I had um, snuck a little dubby fudge round. And I was in the garage, like a, like a, like a mouse in there, like trying <laughs> to eat it real quick, you know. Yeah. This isn't against you, Faith. Now everything's condemnation against you. Listen. She came out and she said, You little sneak. <laughs> and I was like, That hurt. That could be. But guess what? I was being a little sneak. Uh we know the general human predicament. We all experience this. That Paul was talking about here. But Paul's not just talking about in general human terms. He's actually making a very profound theological argument. And, and, and what Paul is saying is as a Jewish man who received the law of God. And this is that law that, 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 uh, that, that God really he, he, he gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. And, and it's known through the Ten Commandments, but there's a lot more to it. But the Ten Commandments are kind of like the heart, the soul, the, the spirit of the law, if you will. And, and, and the law, as Jesus as Jesus would uh, kind of bring it all down to a summary, he would say the law is summarized like this. You love God with all that you are, with all, your, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might, your power, your energy. You love God fully. And then you love your neighbor And he says as yourself, or we could think you love your neighbor, you treat your neighbor with the respect, decency, dignity, justice that you want to be loved or that you want to have extended to you. You want respect and you want dignity and you want decency and you want to be treated justly and fairly, equitably says you love your neighbor as yourself as we always kind of think about it here is it's, it's i don't just love people the way i want to be loved I, I love people the way that jesus shows me to love people and so paul is talking about this law and he says this law is this beautiful gift that god gave us and, and it taps into like anybody who reads this law anybody who knows this law doesn't look at it and go, well, that's uh, that's baloney. Anybody who reads the law, if you read the law and you see and it says, don't steal from somebody else, and, and you really start to sit and you think about it, you're like, I like that law. That's a good law, because it's not just telling me not to steal from somebody else; it's telling others not to steal from me. So anybody who who thinks about this law, they they desire it. But here's what Paul said is we were given this law and this law was given to us by God as a sign that we were in covenant relationship with God. He's explained this throughout the, the text and he says, he says, here's the deal. The law is this beautiful gift, but the law has this shortcoming. And the shortcoming is this. The law, I can agree with the law. I can say yes to the law. I can go, that, that's good, that's beautiful, that's right. But the law has no power over my will. The law can't force me to do what the law says. The law can't control me. In fact, I'm controlled by this other power. It seems I'm, I'm controlled by this power of sin. I'm a slave to sin, Paul says. And the law can't free me from that. The law is beautiful. It's a gift of God. It shows us God's right standard. But the law has a shortcoming in that it cannot control me. So I can agree with the law and I can, I, I, I can, I can amend the law and I can put the law up in a room and everybody can say thou shalt not and everybody be in agreement. But the law, the law, the law can't get me to do what the law says to do. And that's part of the war here that Paul was talking about. Paul says in in summary in verse number 21, he says, so then I find a law or a principle that when I would do good, evil is present with me. See, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law or another power, another force in my members in my body. It's warring against the law of my mind. And it brings me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. So part of the war is I'm not doing the things that I want to be doing or I'm doing things that I don't want to be doing. And not even just that I want to be doing, but that God wants me to do. I see God wants me to do this and I agree, God, I want to do that and I don't do it. I see God doesn't want me to do this. And I'm like, you're right, God. I should not be doing that. But guess what? I do it. So part of it is just the doing it. But here's what Paul is really getting at. Paul didn't receive this law just to say, hey, here's some good things that you do in this world. Paul received this law as part of a part, part, part of a covenant contract, if you will, with God. It, it God said, hey, th- I'm going to be God. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be just to you. I'm going to be equitable to you. I'm always going to provide for you, sustain you. I'm going to deliver you whenever you find yourself um, you know, uh, overrun and overthrown by, by, by forces that are greater than you. And God says, I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people, and here's how you're going to show me that you're my people you are going to live by this law and so Paul doesn't just go oh I'm not doing the things I want to be doing it's not like I I set a goal and I didn't attain it I said I wasn't gonna eat the brownie and I ate the brownie I said no carbs and I ate carbs right you know it's not that in and of itself but it's what that means and what that means for paul is if i'm falling short if i'm not doing this then i'm not walking in right relationship with god and if i'm not walking in right relationship with god but i want to be walking in right relationship with god how does that feel See, Paul wasn't apathetic to this. Paul wasn't some atheist agnostic who was like, I don't even know if there's really a God there. Paul was somebody who deeply trusted that God is God. And so whenever it came down to saying, you're not walking in right relationship with God, how did Paul process that? Let's think about some things that he might have experienced. Fear. And I say that knowing you and me, because you and I want to walk in right relationship with God. And when you find yourself not doing the things that God wants you to be doing or doing things that God does not want you to be doing, how do you experience that? Is fear one of those things? Is shame one of those things? Are you afraid of condemnation? Are you afraid that like, one day you're going to stand before him and he's going to say despite all that you did claiming the name of my son Jesus depart from me you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So Paul says that the war is not just that I'm doing these things. The war is over this idea that I am condemned before God when I fall short of these things. And so then that's when Paul says, oh, who can rescue me? You've given me this beautiful law that I delight in, that I, that I love, that I cherish, that I agree with. But I'm I'm weak. I can't, I can't do all that the law asked me to do. I can do some of it some of the time, but I can't do all of it all the time. Who can rescue me? Paul then says next. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he says, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. And Paul doesn't stop there, he moves on and, and, and he begins talking about this a little bit more fully in Romans chapter eight. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who uh, which are in the spirit or which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son and the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh through His Son Jesus. Why? And, or, so for what purpose? So that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after The Spirit. Oh, that somebody could rescue me. And Paul says, guess what? We have been rescued. We've been rescued by Jesus Christ coming. And he was the righteous fulfillment of the law, the just fulfillment of the law. And while we could not fulfill the law, As we sang earlier, even in my sin, yes, even then, Christ died for us. So Paul celebrates. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That war that's been raging. Yeah. Uh, there's been a victory there. Uh, and The victory is you can know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and he's for you. And he accepts you. Period. He accepts you in Christ. Let's make sure that we put a sharp point on that. He accepts you in Christ, period. So what this means to Paul is whether or not I do what the law says or I uh, don't do what the law calls me to do, I in Christ am accepted that war can settle down there can be peace but then Paul says something about living into that and this is where Paul sees the real power of God at work Living into this life where you are accepted of God. Living into this life where you're not trying to measure up to meet certain demands that you could never measure up to and demands that you could never meet. Living in this life actually, as Angie said earlier, frees you. To live in the liberty and freedom, not of sin and death and destruction, but live in the liberty and freedom of love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and kindness and and self-control. See, it's not whenever you're always walking around afraid that you're going to mess up and God's going to smite you. But whenever you are walking around in this peace that you have with God that actually sets you free to walk in the spirit. Have we gotten that so misconstrued in the church, in religiosity, so often? And so Paul goes on to say, listen... Uh, those, uh, he says, uh, the, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, he condemns sin in the flesh so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So that you and I not only might have the righteousness fulfilled for us, but so that you and I could live in the justice, equity, peace, goodness, love of the law. So that you and I could, could, could treat our neighbors with the decency, love, respect, humanity, dignity, and justice. that that we long for and that they deserve. And he says, this is fulfilled in those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then he he says, those who are after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh, but those who are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is at enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Here's the deal, and here's the point that I want to put on this, is listen, those who walk after the flesh always are walking with this idea that they are at enmity with God. You will always walk after the flesh if you think God is not for you, but he's against you. Because then we have a way of saying, well, if you're not for me, well, then I'm not for you. But whenever you understand that you are not at enmity with God, you are not an enemy of God. God chose not to make you an enemy of his. God chose to do what Jesus tells us to do. God chose to bless you whenever you blasphemed and persecuted. God chose to make peace with you whenever you were set against him and you were out to make war with him. When you understand that God has revealed this in his son Jesus, and Paul is talking as a Jew who who came to understand this, and he's speaking about Gentiles who also can understand this, but we see it. For all humanity today. This is the reality. Verse number 9 says. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ. He is none of his. But he says. And if Christ be in you. Then the body or the flesh is dead because of sin. But the spirit is alive. Because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We are not debtors then to the flesh, nor are we slaves to the flesh. Why? Because underneath the surface, this war that has raged, there has been a declaration of peace. There's been this declaration of peace and God declared, I want peace with you. And it's not despite your sin or even in your spin, sin that I, that I that I choose to do this. It's I want peace with you and I have to do it even while you're sinners, because there's no other way. I gave you a law, and the law reveals that you need more than just a set of rules, regulations, standards, statutes, commands, demands on your life. What you need, what you need is for me to declare peace. For me to offer you forgiveness where you don't deserve forgiveness. For me to restore justice, not through vengeance, but for me to restore justice by taking all of your, all of the things that you've said, done, all the death and destruction that you have created and putting it to death. And swallowing it up in death. And why would I do this? So you could keep living in the flesh? No! No! I've done this so that you can walk in the Spirit. And I know that the only way that you're ever going to be able to walk in the Spirit is if you know before you even start on the journey that you and I, we're good. We're good. I accept you as my beloved son, my beloved daughter. I forgive you when you come to me and ask for forgiveness. I provide for you, period. If we know that to be true of God, then let it be true of us. There are people walking around every day and we see it very, very strongly in our society right now where the war is, we can't even say that the war is raging underneath the surface in our society anymore, can we? It is bubbling up. We talk about this, people are walking around half-cocked, ready to pull the trigger at any moment. They'll uh, They'll do it in grocery lines, They'll, they'll do it on the freeway if somebody you know, uh, uh, pulls in front of them, either on purpose or naively. They'll do it in grocery lines whenever the cashier's taking a little bit too long. Uh, husbands will do it to wives whenever wives challenge uh, what, they, what, they, what they're doing. You know, Why are you doing that, honey? And if y'all don't believe that to be true, come sit in my house for a minute. I'm the most pathetic person whenever it comes to that. Uh, But it's bubbling up to the surface, and here's the deal. We are the ambassadors to let them know. And this is what, the only reason why Paul's saying this is he's an ambassador to let people know who think that they are at, at enmity with God, that in Christ there is peace with God. And how we do that is not just by explicating a theological treatise to them, but how we do that is by loving people, period. How we do that is by being patient with people whenever they're being impatient. Whenever we, we, we have an opportunity, whenever, whenever the, the, the cashier is, is looking a little overwhelmed and, and everybody's kind of getting up in a roar that you can be the one who comes in and says, hey, I hope you're, I'm sorry that you're having a bad day. Take it easy. I'm not in a rush. Just breathe. Uh, Little acts like that and so many more. Uh, And not only good acts of kindness on days that we're feeling good and easy. But let's think of this good acts whenever the war is raging underneath us. Whenever, for whatever reason, that old enemy is coming back to tell you that you are still a slave to sin and that you're under the power of bondage, death, destruction, and that this world is. And it affects you, it affects you emotionally, mentally, spiritually. There's that war that's raging underneath you. I think even in those times, those are the moments where when we can live the fruit of the Spirit. The testimony is even that much greater, that much more powerful, that much more profound. So I assume that I'm talking to brothers and sisters to whom God, through Christ, has declared Peace. And today, I would simply remind you that God, through Christ, declared peace. And it's from that peace that we live. Uh, You you can't go out this week and measure up to the standard of God. I promise you, you and I are going to fall short of that. So don't go out this week thinking, there's a standard that I got to measure up to. But you can go out this week and you can go, I am freely loved by a God who has a high, high standard. And he's going to love me no matter what. And there's something that happens there. Whenever you take the war away, when the war is removed, when the war that says you better do this or else, or you better don't do this or else. When you take that war away, there's something that happens. And God who designed us, knows us, knows that when we take that war away, we actually walk in victory. So know that there's no more war, there's peace. And to any of those who have not experienced this peace, you still have that war raging underneath. The good news is that God, through Christ, wants you to experience his declaration of peace. And the further outworking of that good news is God through Christ has blessed you with his spirit. And you can walk in the spirit. And this spirit will give you the strength, power, might that you need to do that which God wants you to do. So, my brothers and my sisters, with that, I say, amen. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's think about this. Let's talk to God about what God's talking to us about. First of all, I would ask if there's anybody here who, who you go, man, there's been this war raging between meaning me and God. And I've been thinking, man, I'm, I'm falling short. And I can't measure up. And I'm never going to measure up. And I, I'm always going to have this, uh, this contrary way of living with God. And, and today, you've heard this declaration that, no nope, no nope, no nope, no nope. God has taken care of what needs to be taken care of so that you can have peace with him. Because that's what God's intent on. Maybe today that you've heard this and this is a message that you want to talk to somebody more about. Here's what I'm going to say in the next minute or two we're going to begin uh, playing and people are going to be praying and if you need to talk to somebody you can have the freedom to come up here and talk to me about that right now or before you leave today you might just grab me or grab somebody else that you know love trust in this room and say hey can you talk to me more about what it means to accept this 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 peace this love of god that he's given to us in christ my brothers and my sisters I just pray that you, you, would, you would consider what the Lord has to say to you. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you are at peace with God. That this war that's raging is not a war that, 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 that God intends. Maybe today you, you, you just needed to be reminded of the good things that you can do in the midst of all that seems so broken in this rebellious world. You might just say, "Lord, I want to walk in your spirit and I want to show people that they are, that there is peace in this world. There's love, there's joy, there's kindness. Uh, And you might just talk to God about the ways that you can do that this week. Whatever it is, you go to God, you talk to him about what he's talking to you about. If you need to pray with somebody again, I'm here and either I or somebody else can be praying with you this morning. Lord, would you please uh, attend to us in this time? Uh, hear our prayers. Meet us in our prayers, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Thank you. it's been a good day in the house of the Lord. We're glad you were able to come and be with us today. Hope you received a blessing. Let's stand together. We're going to sing ourselves out today. Let's go back and catch that first song again we sang earlier, all right?